You're listening to On the Vine, a podcast about Ivy League basketball, brought to you by IvyHoopsOnline.com. Right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of On the Vine, a podcast about Ivy League basketball, brought to you by IvyHoopsOnline.com. I'm your host, Peter Andrews, coming to you a little bit different time this week. It's about 8.20 on the East Coast, 5.20 for those of us who don't live on the East Coast anymore. And um, it's time to talk basketball. We have a great panel tonight as we get ready for one of the uh, one of the most consequential games between uh, four and six teams ever in Ivy League history. That's the big news that we're looking forward to this weekend. Um, but to talk about that, we've got uh, Ivy Hoops Online's editor-in-chief, my co-host, Mike Tony. Mike, how's it going? Good. I'm, I'm very full. Right before I got here, I was at IHOP getting a really nice, quick two-egg breakfast by my waiter, whose name was AJ without the dots. And I had a nice heaping helping of Quaker gloats alongside that, you can be sure. <laughs> That's the worst story I've ever heard. <laughs> we're also AJ. joined by AJ. AJ <laughs> knows how to we're get it by our, Oh my God! We're joined by our regular uh, <laughs> panelist. Uh, he covers Princeton. You know him as Toothless Tiger, George Clark. George, how are you tonight? Very fine, thanks. Great to be with you all again. See, George, whose team is after all ten and zero, is pretty classy about uh, the six-game lead he has over Penn. Or at least, classy in his introduction. Right, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and then our special guest this week, you know him on Twitter as at IVBball, where, uh, where he, whenever he's not getting trolled by other Twitter accounts, he's trolling other Twitter accounts. Um, the man who coined the term zombie Quakers, perhaps didn't coin it, I'm not sure. Mike James. Mike, how are you? Good to be here. Doing well. And then our special guest this week, I don't know why I keep ratcheting up to you as a special guest, but he is the director of basketball operations for the Columbia University Basketball Alliance, uh, and um, we're so excited to have him on the show. Jonathan Safir, how's it going? Great, how are you? Thanks for having me. Well, we're we're excited to have you too. It's a, a, a bit unfortunate to start on, uh, we're going to start by talking about Columbia a little bit because... Um, we're happy to have you on the show, but it's been a bit of a tough couple weekends for the Lions. Uh, last weekend, losing a very tight one at Harvard after a thrilling second half comeback, and then the overtime loss against Dartmouth, which seemed uh, seems very improbable when you go back and and look at the positions the Lions held in, in overtime. Um, so, Jonathan, starting with you, what what's the vibe around the team after after that very disappointing weekend? Seeing home games on our schedules never look so good. Um, we can use a little levy in home cooking. I think the guys around us today we had a great week of practice and uh, I'll take care of business this weekend. Can, can you talk to me a little bit about the end of that Dartmouth game, which I was watching at home and, and, and screaming on my couch? Um, you're up, I think, five with a minute to play. What What went wrong? We didn't, we didn't execute down the stretch. They, they made a nice play, a little pick and pop with Evan Boudreaux. I think it took it from a four-point game to a one-point game, I believe. And then uh, a 90% free throw shooter. I don't know if he's a 90% exactly, but he's one of our best shooters. Quentin Adlish of the line. Never been in that moment before. Came up empty. 
Uh, we still believe in him, still faith. And uh, C.J. Davis took a dive on the other end down uh, as as uh, Johnson was driving and came in a nice play. And unfortunately, ball didn't bounce our way, but we got nothing we can do now. Can't, we can't look back on it. Well, unfortunately, the nature of podcasting requires that I spend at least some time looking back um, when you look at the last sort of two weekends, again, 0-4, I don't want to belabor the point, um, but I, I think that there's a decent argument you could make that Columbia could be 3-1 and one out of that stretch. How do you how do you keep your guys uh, focused and motivated when everything seems to be bouncing, not just in terms of your own results, but then you look at Penn's results? How do you kind of keep the morale up? Yeah, I mean, we're 4-6, and six, and we haven't lost an Ivy League game by more than nine points. So we're, we're not playing bad basketball. Uh, we're just, we just didn't play good enough to win on the road. Uh, there's a big difference between the two. Um, and then to keep the guys motivated, it's really is just the beauty of the game of basketball is, in, is second chances, and we still right, right now we still control our own destiny. So it's in our hands. We face 10. We're both 4-6. and six. We play them uh, – in Levian on Saturday night, you really can't ask for much more from our perspective. Uh, we knew we, we knew beginning of the year there was probably going to be a good chance that our Penn game at the end of the year and our Brown game at Brown would likely determine a lot. Um, and here we are. So, what what do you see, Jonathan, as as the the keys to uh, each of the matchups this weekend obviously obviously it's a it's a pivotal uh, pivotal weekend and last time against Princeton took it to the wire uh, and against Penn you're you're playing a team that uh, has had a really good interior defense uh, and you guys in contrast are uh, I think top in the league in three point percentage. Um, maybe struggled a little bit in two pointers uh, last time out uh, against Penn. How do you see? Uh, what, what do you see as the keys to some of these matchups this uh, this weekend from uh, a bit of a broad perspective? Those are two good questions. I mean, Princeton uh, third in the nation, I believe, in three point attempts for field goal attempts. They, they shoot they, they shoot a lot of threes. Sort of lived and died by, by three against us the first game. I started seven of eleven and finished eleven of twenty six. Um, I mean, we just kind of have to weather the storm. They're going to get hot. Hopefully, they get cold. Unfortunately, in my I've now I was graduate manager last year, graduate assistant last year, um, and they didn't get cold either those two games uh, last year. So, really, second half of at Jadwin this year was the first time in my three times playing Princeton that I experienced a Princeton cold streak, and. Uh, if luck can help at all, if they can have it at all, maybe they'll shoot, shoot poorly on uh, tomorrow evening in Levian. Um, that's really key for us because they, they're an awesome shooting team. They're an awesome team in general. I mean, they're 10-0. It's quite I'm actually, I'm actually really curious. Um, there's been a massive movement in the Ivy this year towards three-point attempts. Um, you can see it, this may finish up as the first league to go over 40% of field goal attempts from three. Um, every team is desperate to try to have a positive three-point rate relative to their opponents. But you guys are a significant outlier, um, allowing roughly 50% of, of, of shots from three, which is only really interesting because it's a significant departure from what Coach Smith was trying to do. 
So I'm curious, you know, is that a, is that like a conscious thing or is it merely just style of play defenses sort of set you, your defense kind of sets you up to wind up exceeding that kind of a rate? I think all of the above, uh, short answer there, but I think all of the above, I think, uh, we play, when we go zone, um, I think it opens up some crease, uh, it's kind of the nature of the beast. And I know Ken Bump done numerous studies about how teams don't really control how much wealthy shoot, opponents shoot from three, but rather how many threes they let up. So yeah. it's been a conscious effort from us to try and prevent threes, but it's easier said than done. Uh, really, we try and stop penetration, and penetration usually leads to threes as we get assisted on for those threes, but I mean, it's not, I don't think it's more so, I don't think it's philosophy from Coach Smith and Coach Angles defensively. I mean, more so with the zone, and, and we, have, we have some smaller guards that play, and sometimes they shoot right over the guards, and it's, it's tough in that regard. We, we, we're cognizant of it. We're well aware of the fact that we let up a lot of we, we let about three point attempts. Thank God those that we haven't let up too high of a percentage so far this year, but the attempts have been certainly up there and something we're working on. Well, something you I, something you touched on in in that qu- sorry, who was that? Um, go ahead, go I, ahead, I, Peter. I w- go ahead. I wanted to ask if, uh, you mentioned the zone. Um, you know, this is easily in the six or seven years of watching Columbia basketball the most zone I've ever seen the Lions play. It seemed, you know, it seemed like you guys went man to man a lot at the start of the year. wasn't working. There were a lot of defensive problems in non conference play. Can you? Um, I'm curious. How did the decision to kind of switch the two three zone full time? How did that come up? Are you guys happy with it? Is that something you see as a, you know, this is the best for this group of players, or is that how you want the program to play long term? Uh, yeah. So. Beginning of the year, we uh, couldn't stop any. Put it simply, so we had to search for answers. We weren't causing any turnovers, weren't getting any deflections, weren't doing any stuff that good defenses do. Um, and I and Coach Engel just made a decision that he thought with this group of players and some of our guys' length on the back line that maybe we could try a little zone, and we try to get creative with it, and it's worked to a certain extent. Uh, I honestly don't know moving forward, forward what we're going to do defensively. And Coach Angles, with Coach Angles, that's something you'll have to ask. I'd have to ask him or you'd have to ask him. I don't know. But I do know that it's, it's had pretty good results so far compared to where we were as a man team where our turnover percentage has gone way up. Um, really the only thing that defensively that we've gotten worse on besides three-point field goal attempts is uh, defensive rebounding, which happens in the zone with long rebounds. But you, you give and take a little bit, some long rebounds and, and trade off with everything. But we'll, we'll take the trade off with – the deflections and steals because our turnover percentage is almost doubled. We were we were basically last in the country for an extended period of time. Are you at the other end of the floor? Are you are you as a team and staff pleased with uh, uh, the increasing role that, that Mike Smith has played uh, at the offensive end as as Ivy plays progressed? I know Peter has mentioned uh, observed uh, in a previous podcast, and I've uh, observed in an Ivy weekend. Roundup for the website that you know Mike Smith is is getting greater usage. He's he's uh, you know on on the whole playing uh, uh, a, a continuously greater role in the offense. How do you how do you uh, 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 assess what uh, what he's meant to the offense and and how do you try to to strike a balance with the uh, the players around him at that end? Yeah, no, Mike's a great player. Um, he can create his own shot, create a shot for others. 
can pretty much do all things on the offensive side of the basketball. And I think that's really opened up shots and opportunities for other guys. And I was assisted on a lot of Quentin, Quentin Adlish's threes, and he shot. He was number one three-point shooter in the league, I believe. Uh, Luke Petraz has gotten a lot of open looks as a result, and a big benefactor, a uh, beneficiary. Um, I mean, he's balancing him as a point guard shooting too much and him not shooting enough is something that, you know, we kind of experienced it last year with Mottolo and Grant Mullins, too. But we also had Alex Rosenberg, who would make sure he got his own up. So that was not really an issue in that regard. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Mike, we – we he's, a, he's our best or second-best scorer, so we need him to score the ball. But he's also our best or second-best passer, so we need him to pass the ball and set up others, set up Nathan Kmin and set up Petrazic and Adlish and Killingsworth and Meisner and the whole Hoans, whole crew. So, so he really makes us go offensively. Um, he's a really talented kid, talented player, and works hard. What's been uh, What's been the message from from Coach Engels after uh, after the weekend uh, the, that you had that uh, you know we've we've already kind of looked back on? So looking ahead, how do you has there been has it been kind of rah rah or is it very uh, very business as usual going into the home weekend? It was a lot of we watched a lot of film this week. Um, Got a lot of extra shots up. Or nothing was, Nothing changed too drastically. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, we lost by, at Princeton, we lost by two. At Penn, we lost by eight, and that was a two-point game with a minute and a half to go. Uh, at Harvard, we lost by six, and we were up. We took a lead with two, minutes, two and a half minutes to go. And at Harvard, we lost, or at Dartmouth, we lost by one in overtime. So, I mean, we've lost four really close games and had all four games that featured, three of the four games featured really slow starts, and then the Dartmouth game, uh, featured a nice five or six minute stretch where we scored about two points in the middle of the second half, which hurt us. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's basketball. It's the nature of the beach. It beats it. We lost four straight games, and our and our Ken Palm rating's gone up. We're not we're not playing poorly. We're just not. We didn't play well enough to win on the road. So I think uh, I think we all as, as a staff kind of realized that and recognized that, and just kind of relayed that message to the guys that we're still here. We still control our own destiny. We win two if we win two or probably three games we're going to still be where we want to be at the end of the year. And the crazy part of this new Ivy League is that if we win, if we go three and one here, maybe even two and two, including a pen win, then uh, 80 minutes from the NCAA tournament. <laughs> it's a zero and zero start for everybody, even though Princeton's 10 and 0 right now. So that's kind of the message we're sort of relaying that everything we want to reach is still, everything, all the goals that we set out at the beginning of the year are still right there for us to reach and for us to excel towards. All right, so the, the last sort of Columbia-specific question that I want to switch over to talk about Penn's sort of meteoric rise. I want to get uh, Mike, and, Mike and Mike's perspective on that. Um, oh, there's a name. Um, the last question, just you, you mentioned the home weekend coming up at Levian. Um, there's a lot of talk in the Ivy League about the great home field advantage that uh, Penn has at the Palestra, that Columbia ha- that uh, Princeton has at Jadwin. Um, for my money, over the last seven years, the way that the – Columbia fans and community have really changed the atmosphere in Levy and Jim uh, is one of the sort of under-reported, under-talked-about stories um, of uh, how Columbia's program has improved under Kyle Smith and and how the university has changed. Um, what is it? What is the difference for you guys when you come play in Levy and do you do you feel that it's a special place to play basketball? I mean, I think it's such a special place that I'm surprised you're not flying in for this weekend. Law student salary, man. Law student salary. <laughs> Understood. No, I, it's great. I, I mean, one of the most unique places in college basketball. 
I mean, it really is. So, yeah, our guys feed off of their students being there, their friends, their family. Um, it's, hard, it's hard to explain uh, because for a while last season, it was a common theme amongst our staff. That I thought we played better on the we thought we played better on the road. Um, and this year, I don't know if that, I don't know if, to what extent that was the case in non-league, but obviously in Ivy play, we've played better at home. Besides the Cornell loss, um, which is tough, but uh, so yeah, we, we feed off the energy. It's been great. We have we hopefully have a sellout crowd these two two games, or we should have a sellout crowd Friday and Saturday. Um, we've been trying to relay the message all week. What's at stake? We understand. We as a team and staff certainly understand what's at stake. We're trying to get that message out to uh, our fans in the community that even though we've lost four straight games, we need your support this weekend, and you guys can help us win. And we're still right there. All right, so free-falling, bit of a free-fall for Columbia in the standings, even if it hasn't been so much from the performance. And they've been caught by the, as they've been called, the Zombie Quakers. Um, the Penn Quakers have somehow, as I knew that they would, because um, I don't want to get started, um, Penn has, has sort of <laughs> caught up to the pack a little bit. They've won four straight games, and they've looked fine in doing so. Um, Mike, so Mike Tony, Mike James, uh, everyone on the call, um, What's been the, you know, Penn, talk about him. Well, I love talking about Penn, Peter, so I'll take you up on that. I mean, I think it's 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 really been, it started on the defensive end, and it's easy to look at this past weekend, uh, well, at least the Friday night box score, uh, and the 96 points, and to chalk it up to uh, getting hot and, and shooters getting hot, and that, that is... Uh, that's a large contingent of it, but but the defense, uh, uh, the the core defensive uh, play has, has sort of been there all along. But I think it's been it's been ramped up up with the with the rotations on the perimeter. Uh, you know, watching the Brown game and, and especially watching the Yale game, uh, it's just a really good uh, defensive backcourt. Uh, you know, they close quickly on passes. Uh, the footwork is is what it should be. Uh, it, it, it's it's stuff that it's hard to quantify, but but they're but they're just really good at that. Uh, they've got the front court presence in AJ Broder, who's had uh, 15 blocks in his last three games, and and you're seeing you're seeing a greater level of an intensity transfer back to the other end of the floor. It just seems to be a more confident team. You're getting you're getting more. Uh, uh, far greater contributions from uh, not only Ryan Bentley, who was injured earlier in the season, but Dev Goodman, uh, who's who's really been a spark plug at that end. Uh, the transition offense uh, really killed Yale uh, and uh, allowed the Quakers to bludgeon the Bulldogs on their home floor and uh, rack up points in the paint uh, and, and just... Uh, you know, it's it's been it's been a combination of that, and the 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 roster was there all along for this sort of thing. Um, Ken Palm never fully gave up on Penn. <laughs> I think that uh, you know it's it's always been in the cards to uh, to have some sort of comeback, even if it hasn't been uh, this uh, switch flipping. Um, you know, you look at. Again, you look at a team, and it's a team full of shooters. Uh, it's a team that certainly uh, has been capable all along of, 
you know, going 13 for 25 at Brown, for example, or, or making some really key threes uh, in, in really crucial uh, moments in runs uh, like they did uh, for several huge runs at Yale. Uh, you know, again, you look at guys like, uh, um, you know, and I honestly thought it might be Caleb Wood and Mac McDonald, but it's, uh, it's, it's turned into, uh, you know, whether it be Ryan Bentley or, or Sam Jones, uh, uh, whoever whoever has to be uh, these last couple of weekends has has been stepping up and and, and getting the job done. But I think that it's uh, I think it starts and ends with the, with the defense for Penn, and you know that's when you're able to hold Yale to 55, essentially something that Princeton did with an equally uh, stellar defense. That's you know almost an identical score. You're, 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 you probably shouldn't consider that a fluke. Yeah, I mean, I would say I'm, I'm nervous about Penn. Um, I know that the Penn fans um, are. Okay, sorry, what do you, what do you mean by nervous about Penn? Uh, they are nowhere near as good as they've played over the past four day, four games. Um, that's pretty evident by the fact that it's been driven a lot by shooting on the offensive end. Um, at the same time, also their defense has held the last four opponents to the fifth best, second best, sixth best, and second best defensive rating against those opponents. So the defense has been extremely good, and it is it, the defense can be good, but it's not that good. Shooting won't be that. Mike, your sound is gone. Mike, you're talking and yet no one can hear you. Uh oh. Uh oh. I don't think he can hear you, Peter. I can't hear you. <laughs> I'm waving. It you were saying bad I stuff about Penn. That's that's why you got <laughs> shut up. You can't do uh, that, Mike. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna. Okay. So, uh, George or Jonathan, please talk. Yeah. Um. Please talk to. Um. Talk about this while I fix the call. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll fill in. I mean, I think that to 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 respond to what Mike said, there, there's no doubt that this has been uh, a bit of a spike. There's, I mean, you, you take a look at uh, uh, what came before this four-game uh, meteoric rise and uh, what's come since, and, and there's no doubt there's been a little bit of uh, uh, of uh, overcompensation. Uh, as far as what came before, you know, you had nothing. You had drought. You had uh, you had defensive lapses uh, in uh, in closeouts against Princeton at Dartmouth, and uh, now you've got uh, you know you're going in the other direction. Uh, but uh, you know, I think that uh, the the record, the overall record, is is much more in line with what Penn is. You know, they were never as bad as zero and six and. You know they were maybe uh, they're maybe not uh, on the whole a 27 and two run type of uh, type of uh, uh, of uh, uh, aberration uh, at Brown. So I, I agree with uh, uh, with Mike there. There's no doubt that you've got a bit of uh, 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 back and forth going on. But you know uh, Penn has been a team of runs. Got off to a 19 and five run at Harvard. Uh, you know they 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 had runs against uh, UCF. You know they've all they all season long 
they've been a team of uh, of hot and cold, of uh, of surprising road victories, and uh, you know that's what you get with a relatively young team. Uh, but you have to be heartened if you're a Penn fan that you know that you're seeing this kind of response. Uh, Ryan Bentley, as the ancient Quaker pointed out, uh, was able to uh, uh, kind of rise above a uh, freshman perspective and award his uh, 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 weekly honors this past week to the entire freshman class, uh, which was awesome and, and something that uh, I think speaks to the momentum that they have. As a team, they've got a lot of cohesion right now. All right, so sorry, we've had these technical difficulties with other with Michael James, and I'm not sure what to do about them. Um, let me ask. I'm let me ask. I'm sure it's Mike. It's, it's, <laughs> it's always Mike Tony's fault. Let me ask, just it's in always, the interest of not having Mike monologue for 15 more minutes. Um, Jonathan, uh, having played Penn recently, um, what is it that, and, and of course, getting ready for them this weekend, what is it that you guys are, without giving away your game plan, obviously, what is it that worries you about about uh, about Penn. Uh, AJ Brudeur, uh, their three-point shooting. Sam Jones at 17 against us in game one. Sam Jones at six threes in Levy and Jim two years ago. Uh, they're good. They, they, they're they playing really well right now. They're playing really hard and really physical. They bullied Yale at Yale. It's not, it's, it's not very easy. So, I mean... Yeah, what is it about Sam Jones? He he kind of he comes out of nowhere and he and he terrorizes you guys. He must circle Columbia on his schedule. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's been a it's been a sharpshooter by committee kind of season for Penn, and that's the way the roster's set up. Yep. So still nothing from Mike James. I think. Can you hear him? No. It is truly I, incredible, and George. I'm back. I I was uh, lost momentarily. Now I'm back. You know, I give. I don't know why I keep having Mike James on the podcast because we regularly produce just the worst radio uh, that I have ever heard <laughs> in my entire life. Um, uh, and he's probably the most interesting guy we have. <laughs> well, that is the other thing. As I was trying, you know. Someone gets cut off in the middle of their trenchant analysis, and it, it bothers me. Um, all right, yeah. you guys, um, I'm going to work on Mike. Mike, Tony, you are the moderator for the time being, um, and we'll see what we can do, okay? Sounds good, Peter. I will try to fill your shoes. It won't happen, but I'll try. Well, uh, Michael, Michael yes, I, I, I'm a- anecdotally, uh, is that's the only way I've been able to look at Penn. I I don't see them every night, and I don't analyze all the numbers. Uh, but the first game of the year, as you recall, they overcame a 21-point deficit in the second half in Jadwin, and that was Ryan Bentley, I think, had three threes in that stretch. Um, Princeton managed to hang on, and then Penn lost five straight games after that, uh, including one of the most lopsided Palestra games against the Tigers I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Where they came from after that is is, uh, just phenomenal. 
to do what they did uh, against Columbia uh, and then uh, last week against Yale is uh, uh, suggests to me perhaps maybe the meteoric rise uh, of Penn uh, is something that's matched by a kind of a historic collapse by the Bulldogs. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, well, we, so. we haven't we haven't really talked too much about that, but uh, Yale had two very very poor games at home. I thought Princeton was great on Friday night, and then Penn did the same thing the following night, uh, which seemed to take some of the luster away from the Tigers' win at uh, in New Haven for the first time in five or six years. Right. Yeah, Yale was definitely a, quite literally a little slow on the draw when it came to. Certainly, when it came to to rotations, uh, closeouts, uh, they definitely they definitely got outmatched. And really, Penn on uh, Saturday night beat Yale at its at its own game. The last few seasons, yes, Yale's been uh, improved overall in three point shooting this season. Uh, not an Ivy play though. And uh, obviously, whenever whenever you have a James Jones coach team, uh, they want to get points in the paint. They want to get offensive rebounds. And Penn really uh, beat Yale at its own game on its own floor. Uh, skipping to this uh, next weekend, though, George, to turn the tables, what what scares you most about uh, about Columbia? I know that uh, you had uh, said uh, last, uh, you know, going back to the last meeting that uh, you know it was a 61-59 Princeton victory over. The Lions, and that it was, you know, they were kind of fatigued. Princeton was going into that game, uh, but how do you how do you see that uh, uh, dynamic playing out? If you're there, are you there, George? I am, I'm here. Can you hear okay. me? Yes, you're you're frozen, but but if you can talk, go right ahead. The first Columbia game uh, was was interesting in that Columbia came in absolutely reeling from the loss uh, the night before in, at the Palestra. That was Penn's first victory. I think Columbia went down there uh, with the idea they were going to win and maybe have a chance at sweeping the peas over the weekend. The first half, uh, Columbia played, and Jonathan, if you can hear me, you can certainly weigh in on this, but I thought it was it was a very poor game by Columbia in the first half and Princeton had a 20 point lead at one point. And I think uh, not to take anything away from Columbia, they really got it together in that second half and uh, played much, much better. I think our kids were a little tired uh, after uh, uh, a big game the night before a tough game the night before against Cornell where they hung on and then had a great run in, in the first half against Columbia. Columbia came back. We did hold on. Uh, very difficult, very difficult win. The game the home team is supposed to win. Well, Columbia's at home this weekend with a lot more riding on on uh, uh, what they do this weekend, really, than the Tigers have. Uh, I think our kids are going to play play a very tough game. I think they're going to give Columbia all the Lions can handle, but I think the Lions are going to be in it right down to the end, and we can't count on Devin Kennedy getting eight points in 20 seconds this year. It just probably won't happen again. <laughs> you think that was a once-in-a-lifetime thing, huh, George? I think I think Peter does, too. He's he's probably happy that he's he's uh, doing technical stuff so he doesn't have to 
to uh, we are absolutely that. we are absolutely not talking about the Columbia Prince game last year. <laughs> we are never talking it again about it again on this podcast. So help me God. Wow, that got Peter back really quick. I remember, I remember the uh, uh, all the devil talk from last year. So we won't, we we won't go there. We won't, we won't bring that up again. But I tell you, if if, if Penn beats, if Penn does beat Columbia Saturday night, uh, or sorry, let me switch that. If, if Columbia is able to beat Penn Saturday night, I will, I will list uh, ten genuine reasons why Connor Voss is awesome on the next show. I mean, Connor Voss is Connor Voss is awesome, and yeah, I, he is. Jon- no, I, I, I'm I sure totally Jonathan. Agree. I'm sure Jonathan knows about that. This is the official Connor Voss Love Podcast. In case you were you were curious, Jonathan. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you talk at all about either what George, uh, Jonathan, about what George asked about Princeton, or um, I am actually curious as to how you guys felt playing Princeton last year because it seemed. Uh, like I said at the time, it seemed like it was going to take devil magic to beat them. Yeah, so um, uh, Saturday's Dartmouth <laughs> loss sits there right up there with that Princeton loss last year in terms of just snatching. Uh, we were so close. Yeah. Draws of victory. Snatching the draws of victory right there. Um, so Princeton at Jadwin two weeks ago. It's crazy, the Ivy schedule. We played them three games ago. Um, the three games ago, uh, anytime you're down 20 in the first half or any point in the game, I don't think you're playing too well. But also, I thought Princeton plays came out really well, well prepared, made shots. They were in their home court. They were confident. They were coming off a nice win against Cornell the night before. Um, they took us to, took, took, they took it to us early. I think our team showed a lot of character, grit, and toughness in responding the way they did on the road at at undefeated first place, an undefeated first place team in the second half. Uh, it was a comeback. Uh, and I just hope that we can play two halves anywhere similar to the second half of last two, two Saturdays ago's game. Um, doesn't even have to be, it doesn't quite have to be as well because we came back from down 20. So uh, it doesn't have to be quite that well, but it just has to be better than that first half to give us a chance to win. Um, because we, we dug ourselves a huge hole. And when a team shoots that well and shoots that many threes, they're bound to make a couple down the stretch. And unfortunately, that's what they did. They made one too many shots down the stretch, even though it wasn't even though it wasn't a significantly high amount. Um, and as far as last year's game, uh, that one hurt. Not going to lie, that one hurt. Especially with the game tournament, the way it was broken down. Um, stung, stunk, and stung. Uh, Kennedy was awesome on the stretch. They were better with Pete Miller on the bench, even though Miller had a ton of points in that game down the stretch last year. And then, uh, obviously, it was the same thing last year. We played them three games later last year. This is just at Princeton. And uh, they, shot, they shot lights out again, even though it was the exact same the exact same final score. It certainly didn't feel that way. Blowing a nine-point lead with going a seven-point lead in overtime with two and a half to go, whatever the, whatever the exact numbers in time were. Um, they shot lights out that game at Jadwin. Uh, but I think last year's team has been similar, similar, similar to the second half. Honestly, from being here both years, similar to the second half. Let me draw a comparison. The second half we played against Princeton at Princeton three games ago was eerily similar in just the grit and resiliency. Even though we haven't backed it, we didn't back it up last weekend by with with wins, but just in the resiliency and the grit and toughness that the team showed. 
as the last year going at Princeton and losing. And once you take that second, that third loss, we're probably out. And then going at, at Penn, who wasn't bad, and beating them by 30. So yeah. that's tough on, on the road. So I, I, that was a big-time performance, probably our best game of the year last year. Rosenberg had 30-something points. Um, we were awesome. And I think that was that showed that both that showed the toughness and grit that both teams possessed. Um, and I'm hoping that we can bring that to life here in Levian for both Friday and Saturday. They're monumental games for us, and we we understand that. Well, I know you you mentioned that uh, that blowout win at the at the Palestra last year. Looking, you know, switching back to Levian with the Penn at Columbia dynamic. I know some of the some of the worst losses when I. Uh, was at the Daily Pennsylvanian uh, covering the team were uh, and, and Ivy Hoops Online were, were at Levian. Well, you know, those, some of the lowest moments uh, of this past uh, somewhat difficult decade in terms of wins and losses for Penn basketball have have been at Levian, whether it was uh, uh, the 2015 Columbia exploding from three or the year before that with uh, – uh, Tony Hicks throwing a swing at Miko Lyles, uh, you know, it's just a lot of uh, some of the some of the nadir moments of of that uh, that era uh, were at Levian, and and really Penn has lost their last four games at Levian by almost uh, 19 points per game. None of them have been close. Uh, so that would you know if if Penn wants. Uh, bulletin board material i guess it can it can it can look back at uh at the uh the box scores or or maybe the film of that of those games if they're still around because you know they, they've all been shellackings um somewhat embarrassing uh uh, uh some of the moments have been uh but uh yeah i i would expect uh you know i would expect a, a somewhat uh a more of a of a contested game uh, because I think the teams, you know, even the ones in free, uh, one has uh, been struggling and, and ones have a, a really meteoric rise. I think they're pretty even. Uh, I think, you know, looking, looking preseason at the two rosters, um, you know, I didn't understand and, and certainly, you know, Peter didn't, uh, why Penn seemed to be the big uh, consensus pick over Columbia since Columbia had a really solid roster. Uh, you know, no knock against Penn, but, uh, you know, I think these are two very even rosters, uh, two very different approaches, I think, but at, uh, the both ends of the floor. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating. The only thing that, the only thing I don't know is. Sorry, Mike, 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 James, can you hear me? Your little thing is green now. I can hear you. Hey, okay. Oh, good. Yes. Finally, for the love of God. Okay. Nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to hear me anymore. Talk to Mike James. Okay. Let's let me get to the the, the sur- transition. Sorry, Mike. Yeah. Did you uh? You said we pens lost four straight here. Did you, did you hear that sound? What's that? Did you hear that sound? It's me knocking on wood. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh man. There you go. Let, there you I, go. I, I realize this is a little preemptive, but I want to get into the question that uh that sort of. You know, we've been talking a lot about the zombie Quakers on Twitter, um, and I, I, there's a certain amount of. I want to ask Mike about Mike James about this because I detected a kind of 
undercurrent of glee in the way you talked about um, Penn's sort of return to, to prominence and the excitement over the fourth place game. Um, there is still a reasonable chance that a 6-8 and eight team that started the season at 0-6 will be hosting a 14-0 and 0 team on their home on the six and eighteens home floor to start the Ivy League, the first ever Ivy League tournament. Why? So I guess my question is this: Why should anyone be rooting for Penn this weekend? Why should anyone want Penn to triumph over Columbia and get get that fourth spot? Do you think that that's <laughs> a fair question? Well, I think I wouldn't look at how teams start obviously schedules are relatively unbalanced um you know we knew that columbia was maybe not going to lose four straight but was going to hit the skids heading into a four game um road um you know four, four game road stretch um i wouldn't what i'm gleeful about when we talk about Penn is there is pretty strong research that shows that you know ratings specifically preseason ratings carry through the entire season, but also that, you know, these short stretches um, really are, are less likely to be true signs that a team has deteriorated or, or, or gotten better, but rather probably just signs of variance. So what's been fun for me to watch is all the folks that thought Penn was going to be amazing after the UCF win, and then after they started out Ivy slow even with the LaSalle win, which should have been evidence that, hey, this team's not really as bad as they've been playing in the Ivies, like people just gave up on them, and that was an overreaction. So for me, a lot of the glee is that like these types of, the season plays out in a, in a, in a high-variance way in short stretches, but in a low-variance way in long stretches. So again, that glee has been more about the fact that we've seen this sort of return to normalcy, um, rather than either of the high or the low that people predicted off of these little short runs. Why is, why is normalcy good? <laughs> well, I mean, I think that, you know, if you look at Penn, um, that's a team that right now has the second best win in the non-conference stretch, and I think that non-conference play should be valued. Um, they played pretty well in the non-conference. So my point merely is, is that, you know, when you get through two months of the season, you know, where you are is a pretty good indication of where you're going to end up. And it's a better indication than what happens over a short two to four game stretch. Um, so I'm not saying normalcy in terms of Penn being in the top four in the league historically or whatever that may be. I'm more talking about normalcy in terms of over the first two months, they were a clear top four team. They skidded in January. You know, that happens. Um, they still played a LaSalle team, probably the fourth best win we've got this year in the Ivy League in the non-conference. Um, they skidded again, but really they've returned back to where they were over those first two months and where people expected them to be maybe a little better than. So that's what I mean by normalcy, not like that Penn deserves to be a top four team. So, and then this question I'll throw up to everyone, but I want you to answer first. Do you, does it matter to you that... Um, Penn could be eight games back in the standings on Princeton and, and, and hosting the first game of the Ivy League tournament. Is that something you care about? Yes, it is. It is atrocious that that was allowed to happen. It was not that they should have been trying to foresee this, but it was easily foreseeable. Um, 
you know, they were going to be one of the one of the teams that was going to be in the running for the four slot. Um, I don't know exactly how it went down, um, but I somewhat understand that it was, you know, maybe not like explicitly like do this or else we're going to blow this up. But to some extent that it was a condition of trying it, that it be tried at the palestra. Um, so it, it's it's really troubling. Um, I um, I'm on the fence about the Ivy tournament. Uh, but I found I find that part of it probably the most distasteful, um, and it's very America East, and we see how they dealt with it or what happened to them. So that's my least favorite part of what's about to transpire. Yeah, I mean, I like I think merit is not only the uh, you know the the quote unquote moral way to go. But it's also just the easiest, uh, you know. I think, you know, and if you take that to an extreme, you probably wouldn't have a conference tournament in, in the first place. But yeah, I mean, you know, if you go, it's not, they don't have to go fourteen and zero. They could go twelve and two. They can go thirteen and one. But if Princeton has to uh, uh, um, prove themselves again uh, for for a, a third win over Penn on this season. Uh, at the palestra that 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 doesn't uh obviously that doesn't seem to be right i mean even i i'm seeing on twitter even even pen fans are kind of like yeah you know that that's really not fair <laughs> but but we'll but but we'll take it there so, is is but, there, but, but is, so there is, is their perspective of course so and then we have george uh george of course who is the team likely to be most i guess disadvantaged by this um, is this something that either you've been thinking about or, or other Princeton fans have been thinking about? What is the what is the thought coming from that camp? Because I, I do think, I, I personally, and I say this as someone who ideally would never watch Princeton ever win a basketball game again in the history of sports, um, but they are having a great season, a terrific season, and I think the odds that they finish 14-0, I'm sure Mike can generate a number, but I think it's, it's pretty good. Uh, the forty percent, fourteen and forty percent. That I, you know, I was joking, but <laughs> um, and, and it seems, I don't know, the 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 the. If I were a Princeton fan, I would be furious right now, and somehow I suspect you're not furious. What what is your sort of position right now? As a Princeton fan, I'm not uh, ha- uh, delighted at the prospect of having to beat Penn. Uh, for a third time and do it on their home court with the whole season riding in the balance. I'm I'm obviously not happy about that. And frankly, neither is Mitch Henderson nor is Courtney Banghart on the woman's side. And and they let it be known pretty early that they weren't weren't pleased at this outcome. But both of them wanted to have a tournament. Uh, and all the coaches wanted to have a tournament. And from what I understand, uh, the overwhelming majority of players in the league wanted to have a tournament. Uh, I'm an old-timer, and I was not in favor of the tournament ever. But as I've said before, the day it was approved, I got a hotel room three blocks from the palestra, and I can't wait to be there. Uh, But I feel it's kind of ironic that Henderson has been building this team. He's got They are his players. He's overcome a lot of adversity. He's had the best home record in the Ivy League now, deep into the second season. Uh, 
and and now he has to might have to go to the cluster and play Penn again. Uh, fortunately, Harvard and Yale will more than likely have to play each other on Friday, on Saturday, and so Princeton won't have to beat both of them. But it's very difficult to beat Penn at home, and particularly now that they've got everything going for them. They're they're playing obviously much better than they have, perhaps better than they're capable of playing, as Mike James suggests. Uh, be that as it may, boy, it's it's going to be difficult, and, and uh, I, I still don't I don't understand the rationale for the tournament. I, I really I, I never have it. It's never really been explained to me, other than and uh, a lot of the the constituents want it. But well, and let, let me actually ask let me ask uh, Jonathan, who of course is is you know directly affiliated with a team that's going to be in the tournament. Uh, Sorry, knock on wood. Um, <clears throat> that might that might be in the tournament, <laughs> and uh, of course, if Columbia makes it in, then we won't have any of these problems with uh, with Penn. Although, of course, you could make an argument that uh, you know a, a team that has uh, not as good of a Ken Palm rating uh, having the chance to, to to make to be the Ivy representative is a different issue. What is the sense among your your staff and your, and your players about the tournament? Because I, I I get the sense there is a lot of excitement sort of within the teams at least. Yeah, it's great for us. I mean, as you said, you started the show by saying it's the most anticipated uh, four and six four and six weekend between Penn and Princeton or you know, Penn and uh, Columbia of all time. It's it's great for recruiting. It's great for the league. It's great for TV exposure. The whole nine yards, and I understand the other side. I see, I see both sides uh, coming into the league. I don't know if I would have liked it, but being in the league, it's awesome. It, it, it's, it'd, be, it'd be really tough to try and – can't even imagine trying to coach kids and get them to play hard. Um, really with nothing to play for at this point. So besides pride and whatnot, but nothing tangible to play for. And I think this gives them that, and it gives them a March Madness feel, and it's great for the league. Um, and sort of the way – the way I sort of look at it is uh, Greg Popovich gets told not to rest his players in the NBA, and he gets fined for doing so, and it's his choice. But if he doesn't get fined and he keeps doing it, the league's ratings will suffer, and uh, and the league, will str- the league could struggle more. Similarly, with March Madness, if every conference decided not to have a common tournament, there'd be less excitement, and you'd have the less March Madness feel, and ratings would suffer. So, I mean, there's got to be a little bit of give and take because at the end of the day, sports are supposed to be entertainment. So I think uh, giving this March Madness type feel to the Ivy League for uh, 48 hours of the Pelester is going to be terrific. I also can't help but wonder if the hand-wringing would be a little bit less severe if Justin Bassey just gets out of the way of Miles Stevens going for that layup at Harvard and you have two teams tied for first. Um, I do wonder if it's just the circumstances of how the race has played out, um, this one draw from the urn um, that we're all reacting to, rather than more of the macro-level odds of certain types of scenarios actually happening. But Mike, we only get one draw from the urn, you know? That's the way, <laughs> that's the way it pans out. So look, I, I'm going to reset real quick. We only have eight minutes of airtime left, and there are two things I want to get to, and they both... Um, largely require Mike James talking, and then I will quickly wrap up. So, two questions for Mike James. One, um, we had a question from a listener. Why is Matt Morgan less uh, productive offensively this year? And the second one is, I want to get your take on Harvard, because I see a lot of hand-wringing about Harvard, 
um, particularly Zena Dawson Juan. Um, so I want to get your perspective on what's going on with Harvard right now. Why are you complaining so much about teams eight and two? You have two and a half minutes. Go. Uh, on Harvard's side, I think that they're getting there on how they want to play. Um, I think that you know Zena should be playing more. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. I think, in fact, he would be playing more recently. He's actually been in foul trouble in some games. Um, in some games, the matchups haven't been right. But, I mean, I think in games where sort of it's been normal course, he's been peaking over 20 minutes now. And I expect, you know, it, it seems like just with how effective he's been, it's going to be hard to keep him off the floor. So I think that they're actually coming around to the right lineups right at about the right time. Um, so so I, I'm a little, like, I'm a little lighter on, on, on my Harvard criticism at this point. Uh, when it comes to Matt Morgan, um, I don't necessarily think that Matt Morgan's having that much of a down year. I think that really what it's coming around to is that he's just doing a little bit less. I mean, you're talking about a guy who had usage rates and shot rates up near about 30% last year. Now those are falling closer to about 25%. When you do that, the counting stats are going to start to fall as well, even if you are you know, about as efficient, which he has been. So I think that that's just a, a prototypical point of a Princeton offense, a Brian Earl offense, whatever you want to call it. You're not going to have one player that's going to take, you know, one in every three shots. That's just not the way that offense is set up. So I think he's actually playing decently well. I think he's playing pretty much as well as last year. It just looks a little different because his usage rates are a little lower. Okay, so now... Good job wrapping that up in a in a quick amount of time. Um, the last question, the last question for each person on the panel, and you have like three sentences tops to answer this. Um, I will not ask anyone to make predictions about Penn versus Columbia, only because we have a lot of partisans on the call, and I'm sure also Jonathan would need to knock on so much wood that it'd be crazy. But I want from each person, uh, tell me what factor or person or decision, strategy, whatever, will decide the winner of the Columbia-Penn game this weekend. Let's start with Mike Tony. I think it's going to come down to how effective Columbia is from three. Uh, Penn is a very good two-point defensive team. Uh, Columbia has, has, has struggled comparatively in that zone of the floor, and the Lions can certainly do it. They've got the personnel. Uh, you know, can they pull it off uh, and continue uh, the three-point shooting? Uh, that's going to be huge. Nice, nice attempt to reverse jinx there, uh, George Clark. Uh, Columbia Penn. I think if Bentley and Sam Jones uh, can can uh, get hot from three, Penn has a very, very good chance to win. On the other hand. Uh, Columbia playing at home against Penn with basically its season on the line going to be very, very difficult uh, for Penn to overcome its recent history uh, in Manhattan. And uh, uh, Columbia has uh, just everything going forward tonight in that atmosphere, tomorrow night in the atmosphere, uh, in, uh, in that home environment has been very good. I've been in it a few times, and what they're doing there is, is tremendous. So I think Columbia is going to have a very good chance to win. Jonathan, yeah, I, I know. Oh, good. Or actually, well, why don't Mike, you go. I'll let Jonathan go last. 
I mean, I would basically say it's going to be the three-point rates. Um, you know, I, I think that the team that winds up taking more threes is probably going to wind up winning this game. Uh, I think that the one X factor might be the fact that Columbia might be able to turn Penn over enough, get enough extra possessions that they could overcome losing that three-point battle. But these are two teams that an Ivy play have struggled to keep other teams from taking threes. And I think that the one that winds up taking the most, irrespective of the rates uh, that they make the match, the one that takes the most, that's going to be the team that's really well set up to win. All right, so the orders going out will be to jack up as many threes as possible. Jonathan, what are you looking at? Playing a full 40 minutes. Not to sound cliche. I don't want to give away too much, but sort of playing a full 40 minutes and making sure you can put on the left-hand column. Defending, rebounding, trying to prevent threes. Uh, last time we played them, we shot terrible from two. Obviously, we're trying to we're looking to get free throws, layups, and threes, but shooting a higher percentage from two. Nothing, uh, no rocket science. Just play solid 40 minutes of Columbia basketball. No rocket science. I like to hear that. Look, uh, I'm going to completely and utterly die if Columbia doesn't win this weekend. Um, I think that the X factor is actually, I'm going to pick a specific player, Nate Hickman, a guy who has the capacity to take over games, and someone who, if he can start getting into the cup with regularity, he can put some of those big guys with the Quakers in foul trouble, someone who can create the space for a lot of other guys. Um, and I think this has the potential to be sort of Nate Hickman, Hickman's you know biggest game of his career. So that's what I'm looking at. It's going to be fascinating. It's going to be really something, and you've never seen a, a better matchup between two, four, and six teams, like I said at the start. So that'll do it for this episode of On the Vine. It's been really something. Um, I'd like to thank everyone who's stuck with us, despite the fact that um, we're always technically challenged on this program when I bring on Mike James. So uh, Mike, IVB Ball, Thanks so much for coming on the show, and uh, um, uh, you know, make sure that you follow his Twitter feed because that's where all the information is. So thanks, Mike. Happy to be here as always. Thanks very much to Columbia's director of basketball operations, Jonathan Safir. Uh, good luck, and I mean this sincerely because I am a Columbia fan, and I don't give a, a flying crap about any of these other teams. Good luck this weekend. Please, for the love of God, go beat Penn. We're lying. <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> Roar Lion, that's exactly right. George Clark also had some technical difficulties tonight, but we always appreciate his perspective. Um, George, thank you for coming on the show. You're very welcome. It's great to, to be with you again, as always. And uh, the editor-in-chief of IvyHoopsOnline.com. He's Mike Tony. He has terrible opinions about basketball, but uh, good luck this weekend to, to your Quakers, I guess. I, I know you don't mean that, but... Uh, 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 you might, you might. Uh, thanks to I Mike. Say Jane, I, I, know, I say what I mean. I say what I mean. Okay, okay. I, the the variance the variance is going to dictate that at some point Mike James is going to be on and it's going to be totally smooth. <laughs> I I know I know that that's what the variance says. So we're gonna I, I have I have total trust in that. But 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 uh, besides playing a partisan foil on the show, uh, from a from a neutral editor's standpoint, genuinely good luck, Jonathan. Uh, uh, it is a genuinely fantastic uh, uh, matchup we've got coming up. Don't Thank listen you, to this reverse jinxing. Do not listen to this reverse <laughs> jinxing. He, this is what he's trying to do. You cannot let him do it. It is ridiculous. That Look, for all that is good and right in the world, Columbia is going to win this weekend. I Knocking on wood, let's make it happen. This has been a great episode on the Vine. I've been your host, Peter Andrews. We'll be back next week for, unbelievably, the last weekend of the regular season. Um, will it mean anything? We'll find out. 
thanks for listening and uh, enjoy the basketball.